You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give, or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. Welcome to our new series, Finding Good in the Neighborhood. You know, I had a friend ask me once, um, why don't more churches and organizations of goodwill work together and partner together? Why don't, why don't I see that? And I can, looking at the world, especially the last few years through a pandemic and all the cultural convulsions that we've been through, I think it's, I think it can, we can easily see that there's been some, probably some problems of unity and, and uh, uh, barriers to partnership. There's certainly been bright spots too. I can think of some amazing things, but there, there have been some problems around polarization and tribalism in our, in our culture. And that plays out, you know, in our communities and families. I think this problem kind of has a, 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 f- a bunch of problems that kind of sprout from it. You have a unity problem. You see less unity and less cooperation, more competition and more partisanship than part- partnership. You, you have a focus problem sometimes when we start um, really having a, a, f- a focus on being a part of a, a tribe or tribalism and uh, start seeing us versus them mentalities. And, and then you start seeing sometimes a focus on what's wrong and what's not good and what's bad about this person and sometimes even scapegoating where like people can start projecting <laughs> with the, their anger and pain and hurt onto someone or a group of people you can see uh, a focus of finding division in the neighborhood a focus of finding uh, fault in the neighborhood the, the focus on finding problems in the neighborhood rather than learning how to see see and find the good in our neighborhoods and in our cities and in our world and we don't want to ignore the needs and the problems, but I think those are usually pretty obvious. I think Jesus calls us to be part of um, part of the good and the beautiful and part of putting things right, part of helping create flourishing in the world around us. Uh, there's, this, there's a wonderful verse found in Jeremiah, and it says this, Work for the flourishing of the city I have sent you to. Pray to the Lord for that city. If it flourishes, you too will flourish. How are followers of Jesus to be um, uh, finders of flourishing and builders of flourishing? How are followers of Jesus to be light in our world rather than pursuing fault finding and and fear mongering and condemnation? The verse I'd like to center in on for today is found in Matthew chapter 5, and it says this. Jesus taught this. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people uh, light a lamp and then put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of the lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. It's kind of saying the purpose of a lamp is to give light and to give sight to all in the room, not to have it, it, the light hidden and certainly not to have our ability to see taken away. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. Wow, what a statement. Imagine all these people, you know, some of them skeptical of Jesus, some of them, 
you may be religious insiders who are kind of skeptical of him and uh, maybe outsiders who are skeptical of him. Some people are hopeful, maybe even some cultural outsiders, but all, all these people kind of listening in. What a statement. You are the light of the world. Well, how are, how are we to be the light of the world? How are followers of Jesus to be that light? I want you to imagine with me for a second, three houses, three houses. The first house has light inside, but all the doors and the windows are shut and covered uh, to keep the light in the house safe from the darkness outside. And those in the house kind of believe, man, we have the light and we need to protect it from the darkness outside. Anyone in the dark must come inside to receive the light of our house and help us protect it from the dark world. That's the first house. The second house is, is this. It has light, but opens the windows and the door sometimes to uh, shine that light into the darkness. Um, and those in the house often believe we have the light. We need to protect it, but we can shine our light into this very dark world while trying our best to stay within our safe, the safe boundaries of our home and within our light. You know, those outside can be drawn to the light. And once in a while, we'll even try and bring our light to you. But by and large, we want to stay within the light and stay within our house um, and, and within safety. Now, here's the third house. This home opens the windows and the doors to shine its own light, but also to receive the light that shines, whether it's little flickering lights or big bursts of light, to receive that into their home from other homes. And most importantly, this house points toward and connects the lights that are shining out in the world. And surely there's darkness and light in the other homes and in the world. But it, this house points toward and connects those lights shining in the world to the source of their light, the giver of light and love. When you think about these three model homes, you know, what are the strengths and weaknesses to their approach? to their community and to their understanding of the light and dark? What are the commonalities and differences between these three homes? Now, here's a few observations that I just want to give you about these three homes. The first house, well, no one is drawn to the light because it's kept hidden. It's kept for that, uh, you know, for those people. It's their home. It's for us. You know, but if you do, and if you are lucky to find that house, it's a light that you need for sure, but you need to change your life to come inside and you're lucky to find it. Now, the second house draws people toward the light and even brings the light it has outside once in a while. The commonality of the, of the first two houses is that the world is seen as very dark and the only source of light comes from within the house, only from within the house. The other commonality is, is kind of a blindness to the darkness inside the, their own home um, because of a focus on the darkness outside. Now, the last house, the third house, recognizes that there's both light and dark in the world. We don't just have light ourselves, but we can find light in other people and other places in the world to receive and learn from it. Most importantly, we are finders and pointers uh, in the sense that we are uh, affirming light that we find is good, but we also point to, uh, to whatever light we find, we point beyond that, that light to the, the giver of light, the giver of blessings. So we're connecting from in Christian terms, we're trying to connect the grace of God to the grace that we find in the world. 
And that can be found in all kinds of places and spaces. Now, if we were to break this down in terms of cultural engagement, um, here's kind of how I would break it, break it down simply. These three homes represent ways that the church can en- engage or, or maybe even not engage culture. Um, it's approach to culture. Uh, you can have churches against, to, or with the city, against, to, or with the communities they live in. Now, I learned uh, that language from a friend named Randy White, who's brilliant with this stuff. Um, But the first house, that's the church against the city. The city is seen as too dark, and we need need to kind of protect our light. We need to protect ourselves and and our, our gospel behind our walls. And so there's very little impulse to go out. The church against the city, because it's dark out there. The second house is the church to the city. The, the church cares about the city, but insulates itself from the city and the community. Um, but we'll occasionally do some, you know, gospel serving, throw some gospel tracks out there, maybe do some, um, you know, work for some good things in the city. But um, by and large, it, it tends to insulate itself still. The third house, this is the church with the city. It sees value and grace and good and beauty and gift within the community and the city. It sees the community and the city as a gift. A theologian named Ray Bakke always said, you need to have eyes to see both the signs of need within a city. Most of us can see the needs and the problems. But you also have to have eyes to see signs of hope, signs of grace. In a world trained to see darkness first and maybe primarily what's wrong with other people and the negative and the darkness in the world, we need to also train our eyes to see and find grace, the gifts of God. And when we're talking about grace in this sermon series, I mean it often in the sense that like uh, Paul writes about it, like the the gifts uh, as gifts of God, not just primarily uh, forgiveness or um, theological term of justification. No, this is when we're talking about grace, we're talking about like a, the big concept of the, the gifts of God. Now, a church with the city is constantly finding good in the neighborhood. Now, this approach to understanding the gifts of God, the grace of God, the world that we live in, the cities we live in, certainly isn't supposed, it's not like a total relativism where there is no truth and there's no like, um, there's nothing that centers us, but it certainly isn't like some form of moralism either where we're just trying to. Uh, have people form to some conform to some kind of a standard that of religious standard to I don't know make us um, superior and others inferior. This is um, this is Jesus centered. This is uh, something that keeps Jesus like as the light that both illuminates us and points us toward the true source of light. Jesus was always pointing people toward his heavenly Father and giving them a picture of who his father was and who he is and what his love was really like. His heavenly father, the giver of every good gift and and grace. And Jesus teaches his followers, as you read the gospels, he teaches his followers to see and to be light in the world. Let's look back at that passage again in Matthew 5. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand and it shines on all those who are in the house. Humans were designed to be image bearers, reflectors of the light and love of God. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise your heavenly Father who is in heaven. I just want to break this down a little bit. Whether people know it or not, whether they know God or not, 
God designed every human to shine their light with their unique gifts and their unique calling. And for others to see that light and see those gifts and not just like fall in love with the gift and not just like praise the person from whom the light and the gifts are flowing, but to see the gifts and thank the giver, to see the grace and thank the source of grace, God the Father. So God designed us to shine, but God also designed every human to see others shine their light, to see the gifts of God and their acts of light uh, in the world around us and to praise God ourselves. It's implicit in this. Shine your light before, before all men so that they will praise. Also, like it's just implicitly means that like we need to see the light, like all these people listening to Jesus, they're seeing his light shine. They're seeing his disciples, their light shine, and they're learning to praise God for it. So it's this, it's a, it's a twofold thing, almost two sides of the same coin is learning to see the, the grace of God and thank the grace giver, thank God, and um, then to learn to be the grace of God and be the light of God. Um, the best way we can so others turn to the giver, others worship God. What a cool picture. So the pattern we could say in this passage is we are called to see light and to be light and praise the giver of light. So all the glory, all the thanks, all the gratitude goes to God for the gifts he's given us. And do we have eyes to see them? Sometimes we only see can see like um, gifts and grace. We've trained our eyes to only see that in religious settings and within the church. And we don't, we see darkness, we see scary things. We have fear about anything outside of the walls, of the church or, our, you know, our particular community. And we can't see in, you know, our cities and in different cultures, the gifts that are there. Oh, what happens when we can learn to see the grace of God, even in the middle of hard situations? We can praise God more, we can be more thankful, and we can join him in what he's doing. Also, we can learn from others and people who have different backgrounds, even people who don't know Jesus. They might not know uh, God, the giver of grace. We can learn from them how how they're shining light, even if they don't know where that light, the source of light is coming from. We can learn. What a beautiful picture. And it's important to remember that although you and I'm, you know, probably have shadow sides and we've got light and we've got this mixture going on. We have struggle, but we also have um, joys and victories that in our heavenly father, there is no shadow of darkness. Um, The blessing we see and receive point beyond us to the original blesser to God. And he is like perfect, like no shadow, no variance, just pure goodness, love and light. Everyone is made in the image of that God. Although we have this mixture and this fracture uh, going on in us. And that means that I think we can, we can learn to learn from others and love others and realize that we're designed to see and be light. In other words, everyone has lamps in their home. Everyone ha- might have some dark rooms too that they wish had a light or they wish maybe the light was brighter. You know, like there's forms of addiction. There's forms of like just blind spots and not knowing and uh, maybe just being ignorant of something. Sometimes willfully 
um, dark. My question for this series is how can we as a church learn to see and affirm and amplify the grace, the light, the gifts in others, regardless of their background? We can praise God when we see God's goodness flowing through anyone because we know it's from him. And even if they don't know it, and we can we can be part of helping build that grace and and also connect that grace to the grace giver. What a cool thing. We can kind of open the doors of our home. We can open the windows and we can look out and we can shine and we can receive the goodness from others. God loves to work through people. God works through his creation and loves through his creation and through people. We see that all over the place in scripture. Jesus points that out all the time. Question is, Will we follow Jesus in learning to be grace finders, not just fault finders? And when we learn to find grace, I think we get better at bringing the grace that we ourselves have. So here's a few questions for reflection today. Have you been focused on the light you see in others or primarily the darkness? What grace and good are you finding in your neighborhood? Last question is, when was the last time you helped connect the gifts that you see in the world and in your neighborhood to the giver? This week, um, we're going to be finding good in our neighborhoods together. Um, we're going to practice this beautiful practice of grace finding um, through prayer walking. Um, I'd love to see it if our, if our whole church was just practicing this week, maybe just one time where we walk um, through our neighborhood, the neighborhoods that we live in, the, and and you maybe work in, whatever your neighborhood is, and we work on finding good in the neighborhood, that we become grace finders. So I'm, over the next few weeks, we'll focus on different aspects of great grace and God's goodness, from people to, you know, institutions to businesses and some really cool things. But I just want us to generally, in our neighborhoods, look for the good. And what that might look like is um, grab a kind of a prayer companion, a friend to um, walk through the neighborhood together. It doesn't have to be a long walk. It can be a long walk as long as you want. But just take a walk and intentionally ask God to reveal his goodness and have eyes for grace. And when you see good things, maybe you see people differently. Maybe you see some um, a business. Maybe you see just some, some people that um, you haven't really noticed before or homes that you hadn't noticed before. Um, and you're seeing like, oh, that's good. You're recognizing something good. Thank God for it. Praise God. And then pray for that, that people or that place. And I would encourage you over the next few weeks to keep a journal as well of the grace that you find, keeping that journal and to add that to your prayer list and to be dwelling on that. I think it can be amazing to see what will happen uh, in us and through us as we learn to actually identify, find the grace of God in our neighborhoods. So this week, let's find some good in our neighborhoods. Take a prayer walk with a friend or some friends and just find that together. Next week, we'll be looking at some key ways that Jesus teaches and demonstrates to us this concept of seeing and being light, becoming grace finders in our communities and cities. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message, or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.